uh, tonight. Before we, while we rest our lungs, before we do a little bit more singing and candle burning, let me ask you, is anybody here a fan of the nativity scene? Growing up, we had one in the house, you know, when it was always fun to kind of go and like place the little, the little characters in the right spot. Uh, I wanted to do just a brief tour of kind of some alternative nativity scenes that I found out there because I think they're fascinating on one level. If you kind of look into them, uh, they're different all over the world. Like they reflect the cultures that they're, you know, they're a part of. And so you can find local culture reflected in the nativity scene. There's like Hispanic culture nativities and African culture and Asian culture and all kinds of stuff like that. And sometimes you just find something that's very purely American. If you notice here, you got the selfie going on. The one guy, he's just lost on his tablet. The organic cow, of course. And then the wise men showing up from Amazon on their little the things. That's awesome. Millennialism in a nutshell. Uh, and then here's one for your, your pop culture fans here. We've got something for everybody here. Jurassic Park is going on. Batman's there to protect everybody. <laughs> You have something for Star Trek and Star Wars fans, right? Because Jesus loves everybody. It's important. I think that's even a callback to like Bill and Ted over there. So some Gen X love happening there. The, here's one that's really tasty. A little bacon and beanie weenie nativity. Anybody? Is that just with some hash browns? Ah, it just makes me so hungry. It's amazing. Let's see. What else did they find for us? Cat, cat figurines. Yeah, that shouldn't be there. I don't know why that's... The iconic power of the nativity captured in cats. Here's one here. If you come across, sometimes they're very topical. COVID nativity. I heard some groans. Okay. Too soon. Okay, we, don't, we won't. This one, though, I came across, and I, find, I found this one is quite interesting to me. It's a timer, and I don't know exactly how it works, but it seems like if you turn it, and then when the baby Jesus is facing the right way, that means you're pumpkin pie is ready or whatever it is. A timer. So I thought we would pause on this one for a little bit tonight. I want to offer a few reflections on time and the Christmas story. And some of these figurines that we saw here are, are funny. Some of them are kitschy. Some of them are just ridiculous or borderline blasphemous, maybe. I don't know. Uh, and, and yet this one struck me in a really interesting way, the way the, the here baby Jesus and the parents being used as a timer. Now, Tonight, I've got some friends who are coming up to help me read some scriptures, so all my friends can come on up here and uh, get in your place here, because you don't want to hear me talk all night. This is, so we've got some folks who are going to read as we go along here. Um, now, as they're getting ready, w there's two places in the Bible where we, hear, we read the Christmas story. There's the, in the book of Matthew and in the book of Luke. And um, they each have some, some details that are interesting to look at. Luke interestingly enough, doesn't begin with the birth of Jesus. He first starts out by talking about the birth of a cousin of Jesus named John, um, and he starts out letting us know how John's parents, they were getting up in years, and they had always longed for a child, but they had been unable to conceive. And so the husband, Zechariah, gets a startling visitation here, Mr. Dan. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. 
So the angel goes on to explain how this boy, John, who goes on to become John the, the Baptist, um, but they didn't have any Baptists back then, so they didn't, they didn't know that yet. He was just John. Um, he was going to prepare the way for another child who would be the Messiah who would save the world. And so the angel says something very interesting to Zechariah. Who Zechariah is a little skeptical at this news that his elderly wife is going to have a baby. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of, the, of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. He goes on to say, and you'll be silent. You won't be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. So I want to hang on to the, that phrase right there. So the angels come in here, and he's, he's letting... Uh, the, this father, Zechariah, know that God has not abandoned human history. He's been at work all along. He's been doing some really, really big things, and they're about to go down. The, the, the things that people have been longing for and praying for for hundreds of years. These events are going to happen, it says, at the appointed time. At the appointed time. Remember that phrase. Well, then we hear about a girl named Mary, and Mary's told by an angel that she's going to give birth to the Messiah himself. But before she can give birth, Mary and her husband Joseph have to make a little journey. And so we pick up in Luke chapter 2. So Joseph also went up to the town of Meredith, to Gilead, to Judea, to the, town of Beth, to the town of Bethlehem, the town of David. Because he belonged to the house of the line of David. And when... He went to there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and they gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him on a manger, because there was no guest room available for and so we have the birth of Jesus, yay, and God has not abandoned the world. He comes into the world to save the world, to redeem it, to renew it, to restore it, to reconcile everything through this child, Jesus. And then there is a stunning electric announcement of his birth, of the birth of this child, uh, who people have been waiting for for years and years and years and years. Let's, let's hear that, and there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of, God, of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I give you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Awesome. Let's just keep going, Pat. Then suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So the, um, the angels first stop to announce this galactic news of the birth of Christ is to poor shepherds. By the way, if you've noticed, every time in the Bible, just about every time I can think of in the Bible, when an angel shows up, what's the first thing the angel says? 
Fear not, right? They teach them that in angel school, in angel 101. They're like, look, when you go down there, they are going to freak out at you. So you've got to start out with fear not because they're just, it's not going to be good. Basic greeting 101. Okay, so the shepherds receive this news. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I love that little detail, Mary. She's pondering those things. She's storing these things away in her heart. So a few days later, it says that the, uh, the parents, uh, Mary and Joseph, they take the baby Jesus to the temple to be circumcised, as was the, the custom back then. And there's some people that they run into. We get a series of little stories here. The people they run into have these very powerful, visceral reactions just on meeting this baby. Here's one of them. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous, righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Before Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the, child, uh, brought the child Jesus to do what the law required, Simeon took in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. I love this little short story you get about Simeon. Uh, we find out that people have been waiting for this baby for years and years and years. Simeon, uh, Simeon is an old man, and he's been waiting for the birth year after year after year after year. And the text says he's been waiting for the consolation of Israel year after year after year. And then he comes into the temple area and he sees the baby. And essentially what he's saying is, now I can die happy. I can die happy now because this thing that I've longed for, that I've desired, I've thirsted for this. It hasn't been, and now the baby has been born. I can die happy. And we find out that all sorts of people have been waiting year after year for the child to be born. Here's another encounter that Mary and Joseph and the baby have in the temple. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old and she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Amen. Let's hear it for our prophetesses, right? Amen. Let's hear it for all of our readers tonight. Thank you, guys. Y'all did great. Now, because here's what I find fascinating. When Zechariah is told God's going to send this Messiah and the Savior's going to be born, and it's going to happen, if you remember that phrase, at the appointed time. It's going to happen at the appointed time. Well, there's this word in the Greek language here, 
at Generations, if you're new with us, we, we geek out on Greek. We, we like to talk about the, the original language this was written in. Um, and the word, whenever you, it talks about time, if you, if you were there reading it in Greek, it's this word, chronos. It's where we get the word chronology or synchronize or something like that, chronos. Uh, if you were reading the Bible in the original Greek language tonight, whenever they talk about time, you would usually see this word, chronos. It refers to time, basically, that just f- flows in a normal fashion, the way we all think of time. There was a yesterday, there was today, Christmas Eve, there's tomorrow, Christmas, when you're going to open your presents. There's the next day, when you're going to return the stuff that didn't fit. There's the day after that, when you might have to go back to work. There's the day after that, when maybe you start buying some, you know, fireworks, because New Year's Eve's coming up, you know, in a week from now. So there's this, just this day after day, it's this unbroken string of, of moments and days and years that just stretch on relentlessly from our past and our present and our future in these regular quantifiable units. But when Zechariah is told all of this is going to happen in the appointed time, the angel does not use the word chronos. He uses a different word. It's a word which we have no perfect English equivalent of, and he uses the word kairos. Let me hear you say kairos. Okay, good. I can't really see you because it's dark and I've got the spotlight, so all I can do is hear you, so y'all feel free to just talk it up. Kairos. Uh, Kairos is best described as, as an opportune moment. An opportune moment. It's a concept. I was looking at this. I don't speak Greek. I have to research all this stuff out. It's a concept in Greek culture that has to do with archery. It comes from the world of archery. It's when an archer has been waiting and waiting and waiting. Kronos, you know, waiting moment. His arms are getting tired and he's getting tired. And he's waiting and waiting. And suddenly he finds the perfect moment to release his arrow at a target. That is Kairos. It's this unquantifiable period in which something special happens. The angel says, listen, listen, guys, you're living in Kronos, but when God shows up, it's not ordinary time. God is not bound by Kronos. God is going to move in Kairos. So, so there's your calendar. There's your, the phone you use, the watch you may have on your timer, your alarm, all that kind of stuff. And then there's that other time where things happen that matter. The things in your life that matter. You can probably think of some of those moments in your time, and you may not be able to know exactly what the time was on the clock, but you know that time because it mattered. And the angel says God is about to invade the world's chronos with some kairos. Amen? And so we long for things. All of us, we long for things. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and we celebrate that. And yet, let's face it, there isn't fully peace on earth, is there? This Christmas, he's the great healer, but not everything is healed. Jesus saves us, but this Christmas, not everybody and not everything is saved. And so we celebrate, and yet we long, all of us, we long for things which haven't been fixed things that haven't been healed, things that haven't been repaired. We live in Kronos, but we long for Kairos. And Advent is this whole season. We've been in Advent for the last four weeks. It's this whole season dedicated to the notion of living in Kronos, but longing and anticipating and waiting for that Kairos moment, like a child lying in the covers on Christmas Eve, 
wiggling and giggling, holding their breath, listening for those bells on the roof or something, you know, waiting for the magic, waiting for when the magic happens. The challenge for us, especially us grown-ups who live in the world of utility bills and, you know, bills that pile up and economic inflation on the news and political strife, family members that break your brain, and, and, and doctor appointments, and health issues that stress you out. In other words, life on earth. For those of us who live life on earth, the challenge when living in Kronos, but you're waiting for Kairos, is this. It's not to get better. It's not to get disillusioned. And it's to allow God to shape you and form you in those moments, to, to create rhythms. While we're going through that, we create rhythms of prayer and trust and patience. So that when Kairos hits, when that moment comes and the angels are in the sky singing to shepherds, what you, when that comes, you're ready. When you're the old man in the temple and you've been praying for this moment for years and years and years and, it, and the baby is there, you're ready, you're prepared, and you can celebrate. You can celebrate. We're trapped in Kronos, but we long for Kairos. Are you this Christmas longing for something? And so you're celebrating, maybe tonight you're celebrating more by faith than by sight. You have the promise and you're holding on to that promise, but there are things that are unhealed, that are unresolved, unreconciled. And so you're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ's coming. And yet at the same time, you are longing for his second coming that he promises. And what we learn is there's two kinds of time. And God will walk with you through this Kronos time. He will walk with you through the one and he will grant you patience. He'll grant you peace. And yes, even joy that transcends logic. He'll grant you that. But if we won't lose hope, he'll come through and he'll deliver the miracle moment. He will be faithful. He will not fail you. The trick is learning uh, something else, too, that, which is that he often comes when you least expect it. He often comes when you least are planning for it because, you see, his timing is not our timing right? His, his Kairos moment uh, is not necessarily on our Kronos timeline, and so it requires trust on our part. I love how this is expressed so beautifully by uh, this spoken word poem from Chandra Lucas. Just check this out on your screen. So the story of the nativity is the revelation that in God's timing, in God's timing, God sent Jesus and he said, I'm sending you my boy. I'm sending him to you to save the world. You're gonna be okay. Trust him, listen to him, do what he says. Your, your days of waiting for a savior are done because he's here. And so Jesus came and he's opened up a whole new world to us. He's opened up forgiveness to us. He's opened up hope. He's offer, he offers liberation. He offers salvation. He offers healing. He offers peace. You can trust him. You can trust him. This Christmas, you can trust him. You can trust him with your past. You can trust him with your present. You can trust him with your future. You can trust him with your, your sins, your brokenness, your addictions, your weaknesses. You can trust him with your hopes and with your fears. You can trust him with your bank account, with your career, with your family. You can trust him with those awkward relationships in your life you don't know what to do with next. 
You can trust him with your infertility. You can trust him with the chaos of way too many kids. <laughs> you can trust this Jesus because in the fullness of time, God said, I'm sending my son to heal the world and he can be trusted. And so in the meantime, in the meantime, when everything sure doesn't look fixed, we're looking at it and we're like, this, this feels like chaos. And when the healing hasn't yet come and you're in Kronos and you're longing for the Kairos, you can trust him then too. And I'm sure I'm speaking to somebody here tonight. You can give yourself permission to celebrate Jesus tonight, even in whatever it is that you're going through. And I know, I know some of you are going through real stuff. You give yourself permission to celebrate Jesus because, see, his love is great enough and his shoulders are big enough and his grace is deep enough that you can even go to Jesus and you can beat your chest and you can sob over the things that aren't yet healed, that aren't yet fixed, that aren't whole. And you can have all of that because God says, give it all to me. Give me the celebration. Give me the good. Give me the ugly. Give me the bad. Give me your yesterday. Give me your today and your tomorrow because I sent my son and I'm going to redeem the whole thing. You can trust him. If you're here tonight and things just aren't uh, happening like they're supposed to, they're just not right. And your prayer has been, God, please show up. I need some Kairos. I need some Kairos in the midst of this Kronos. And God is saying to you, be patient. Hold on. I haven't forgotten about you. Lots of people waited lots of years for Jesus. I'm here. Trust me. Trust me with it. Trust me with it. You can trust me because a baby's been born. We're all going to be okay. Dear God, we bring before you uh, this Christmas all of ourselves. We bring our longing and our needs and our wants and our excitement and our brokenness and our failures and our frustrations. We bring before you all that isn't fully healed yet. We bring our heartbreak that hasn't been consoled. We bring before you our, maybe our barrenness or our loneliness. We bring before you all of that which we're waiting for you to fix, to heal, and to renew. And we ask you to meet us in that waiting, Lord. We celebrate the birth of our Savior and we long for his return. We long for that second coming, for the renewal, for the reconciliation. We long, we long for our Kairos moment. And while we're waiting, Lord, we will trust you because you are trustworthy. Hallelujah. In the strong healing name of the Messiah who can be trusted. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Tonight, we get to do something that uh, Christians across the globe have been gathering together to do for 2,000 years as we partake in the sacrament of communion. And so even, even now, as we celebrate the birth of Christ, see, we never forget where it was all leading to 33 years later. It was leading to the salvation and the ultimate demonstration of love that he accomplished for us on the cross. So if you grabbed one of these and when you walked in, your little communion elements there. If you didn't get one, there's some at the side table or there's a table in the back. If you're watching us by live stream tonight or you're listening by podcast, you can still join in this with us. 
I would suggest you open the uh, bread side first. I've made that mistake before. And then you flip it over. To all of our guests, by the way, this communion is open to all. This is not a closed communion, regardless of your denomination or your church affiliation, if you already have a home church. This is not exclusive to just one tribe of believers, uh, whether you are uh, charismatic or Catholic or Baptist or Lutheran or whatever. If you've declared Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're family to us. This is a gathering of the family. And so uh, if you, you know, let me say this too, if you haven't taken that step before, if you've never said yes to Jesus before, this is a great time to do it right now. Because what I'm going to do here is I'm going to lead everybody into, uh, all of us into this prayer of confession so we can prepare our hearts for communion uh, as we're instructed to do in scripture. And so if you're here and you're a believer, I invite you to say this with me. Uh, if, you're, if you're not, if you've never said yes to Jesus, but you want to tonight for the first time, uh, you can say this with us too. Would you, can we just say these words on the screen? Would you say them with me now? Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We've not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We're truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name, amen. Now here's good news, everybody. God's Word says that He is merciful to all who confess their sins and in humility ask for mercy. And so we can declare confidently tonight, whatever baggage you came in here with, whatever guilt has been weighing on your heart, whatever past you have, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. That's good news. Hallelujah. So let's receive this bread and this cup with joy, not with mourning or sadness, because this is truly a gift for you. It's his gift. That baby grew up, and this is his gift to all of us. It's for those who love Jesus and for those who just want to love him more. It's for those of you who have much faith and for those of you who have little. It's for those of you who have been here often and those of you who have only just arrived. It's for those of you who have tried to follow and for those of you who have failed you, you are exactly who the Lord wants to commune with in this moment in time. Amen. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you.